Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. Last week we finished our sermon series on the cross. We spent all summer exploring the uh, the cross of Jesus, which means that this morning we are starting a brand new series. We're calling it Table Read. And we'll be walking through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I hope we usually work through the Bible book by book, even verse by verse. Uh, But starting next week, we're going to work through the Bible book at a time. If our preaching at Hope is like Google Maps, most of the time we're in street view when it comes to the Bible. And that's good. But from time to time, we need to zoom out. Because if you've ever used street view, you can get lost in street view even. It's important to remind ourselves of the city we're in. It's important to remind ourselves of the state that we're in, the direction that we're going. And so in the coming months, we are zooming out. You're going to hear sermons on entire books of the Bible, entire sections of the Bible even at a time. So that by the time we're done in the series, we will have seen the entire horizon of Scripture. We will have seen the entire story from beginning to new beginning, from Genesis to Revelation. And that alone is exciting. So if you've ever wanted to start a Bible reading plan, now would be a good time. Uh, but honestly, our hope for this series goes way beyond just knowing the Bible better. As Kevin Van Hooser puts it, the Bible is a theodrama, a divine drama in which two things are true. Jesus is a hero, and we have a vital part to play. So here's my question, and this is what's motivating this series. If it's true that you and I have a vital part to play in this divine drama, how do we play our part if we don't know the story? So starting next week, we'll begin our journey in Genesis. This morning, though, we're packing our bags for the journey. We're going to explore and prepare for this journey. And to help us do that, we're going to look at an obscure little verse in the book of Romans to Paul's letter to the Roman church. And here's why. Paul's writing to a small community of Jesus followers in the Roman Empire. And they're having a rough time getting along. There's bickering. There's arguing, there's fighting, there's nastiness. It's basically Christian Twitter before Christian Twitter. And so Paul walks in and basically says, you guys are losing the script. You guys are losing the script. And so he gives them the script again. He reminds them of the story of God. All of Romans really works this way. But in our section, he draws a lot, especially from the Old Testament. In fact, chapter 15 of Romans is peppered with every section of the Old Testament. And in our verse this morning, Paul's just going to tell us why he's doing that and why that's important. I'll read the text. We're going to just start in verse 1 of chapter 15. We're going to focus on verse 4. This is God's word. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, he quotes from the Psalms, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. 
Verse 4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So, Lord, would the words of my mouth and with the meditation of all of our hearts here this morning be pleasing and acceptable to you. You are our rock. You are our redeemer, which means you are committed to drawing alongside us by your Holy Spirit right this very moment so that our hearts would actually see and encounter the risen Jesus. And so it's my deepest prayer, Lord, for myself and for everyone here this morning. That by the time this message is over, we would love you more than we even do now. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, so when I was an undergrad, I took a class on Shakespeare. That's what English majors do. You take classes on Shakespeare. And if you've ever read or been forced to read Shakespeare, you know that it's rough stuff. Or it can be. Well, so during each class, our professor... Uh, would, would quiz us on our comprehension of a Shakespeare drama. But the way he quizzed us was brilliant. He did not test us on comprehension by just say, say, hey, give me a summary. Instead, he broke us into groups and he said, you guys act this out. You guys act this out. I wasn't a theater major, so it was kind of ugly. Like, very ugly, actually. <laughs> uh, but that's not the point. See, anybody can read a drama. Anybody can summarize a drama, but it's another thing to act it out. So my team of fellow students, we'd get together, we'd meet up, and we ask questions like this. We'd say, all right, where is, what is this drama about, number one? Number two, like, where have we been before this act shows up? Number two, three, where are we going? And what characters are we in this thing? And we had to answer those questions in order for us to really comprehend what was going on in the drama. And when we didn't do that, the professor would spot it right away. We were just reading words on a page. Recently, I learned that what we were doing actually has a name. It's called a table read. Here's how one resource defines a table read. A table read is a structured read-through of a screenplay or script by actors with speaking parts in a film, TV show, or play. The table read is often the first time that everyone involved in the production comes together. I once witnessed the table read at my local coffee shop, Boston Stoker, used to be like brothers. Uh, men and women were sitting all around a table reading their roles over coffee and scones, and I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. But now I know what they were doing. You can also see table reads online. You can watch table reads on YouTube because a lot of TV and movie productions actually show it as they're doing it. It's an absolutely fascinating aspect. And some of you may even be familiar with it, having maybe grown up in drama or grown up doing theater in high school or perhaps even through college and beyond. I'm absolutely captivated by the table read because it encapsulates Exactly what I want to accomplish, what we as a church want to accomplish with this sermon series. And in fact, all of the Christian life. See, what we have with the Bible is a drama. 
the true story of the cosmos. In the words of N.T. Wright, the whole point of Christianity is that it offers a story which is the story of the whole world. It's public truth. And so theologians Michael Goheen and Craig Bartholomew actually describe the Bible as a drama in six acts. Creation, where God establishes his kingdom. Fall, where there's rebellion in the kingdom. Restoration initiated. That's like the whole Old Testament, by the way. The king chooses Israel. Restoration accomplished. The coming of a king. The mission of the church. Spreading the news of the king. And restoration completed. The restoration of a king. And I think this helps us in so many ways. Helps us understand the Bible. So a diverse library of books in the Bible have unity in the six-act drama. It helps us love Jesus because Jesus is the hero of this drama. But it also gives us purpose in life. Because if you didn't notice, we have a part to play in this drama. The mission of the church. Spreading the news of the king. We are, friends, act five. Do you believe that? We are act five. And if that is true then we should sit down and we should get to know the script. Shouldn't we? We should have a table read. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a table read. We're going to acquaint ourselves from beginning to new beginning. From Genesis to Revelation. Now, quick, before we get into this verse, that's not how most of us view the Bible, is it? In my experience as a Jesus follower, I've approached the Bible in three different ways, and I think these approaches are common, so I wonder if you see yourself in this. The first way that I tend to approach the Bible is the Bible as a textbook. This is when we treat the Bible as sort of a textbook to master, who is like knee-deep in the textbooks right now. And you're studying it, you're cramming it, and you are tempted, like I was, to think that if I master the content of this, then I am a mature Christ follower. We think that the way to grow is to know And to not know God or to know Jesus, but to know about God and Jesus. We think a sign of maturity is to have the most biblical take on every debate. Forgetting that demons have the most biblical take on every debate. And so as we approach the Bible as a textbook, we need to remember that yes, this is God's special revelation. This is him saying, this is who I'm about. This is what my creation is about. And therefore, we are obligated to get to know the details and the contours of this book, this Bible. But just like we get to know the details of our favorite sport or our dearest friend. Because we love them. Because we love the Lord. So that when all we do is approach the Bible as a textbook, there's no relationship with the Lord. And so we become, in the names of, in the words of Jamie Smith, brains on a stick. I also sometimes approach the Bible as a rule book. This is when we reduce the Bible to, we reduce the Bible to a list of do's and don'ts. So I have a little book, I think I've since given it away, called Food Rules. A Michael Pollan, an eater's manual. In this small book, he answers three questions. What should I eat? What kind of food should I eat? And how should I eat? And his answer is simple. It's eat food. (laughs) 
mostly plants and not too much. And then he unpacks this simple answer, these three phrases, with 64 rules. Rules like don't eat food your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize. And if it came from a plant, eat it. But if it was made in a plant, don't eat it. Or the whiter the bread, the sooner you're dead. And my favorite, this is my favorite rule, cook. Food rules. Cook. Okay? Now, I read this little book 10 years ago when it came out, and it actually helped me out a lot. I needed somebody to come alongside me and just tell me what to do. I was feeling lost in the kitchen. I was feeling kind of bad in my body. And Pollen distilled in a short list of do's and don'ts sort of a pathway to flourishing. And in the Bible, God does a similar thing for us too. That's why the Bible has commandments in it. If you ever wondered, uh, they are not meant to oppress God's people, the, the rules of the Lord. The rules of the Lord, if you read of, of them, they're actually the, given to his redeemed people in order to liberate, in order to give them pathways to life. God made us. He graciously, graciously, graciously gives us pathways of liberation and life. And he gives us the Holy Spirit in order to want to obey the Lord. And that's amazing. But too often we reduce the Bible to a list of of rules. And we think of I do X, then God obligates himself to do Y. If I do this, then God will like me. If I do this, then my life will improve. If I don't do this, then God will reject me or my life will tank. As others have put it, this is Coke machine spirituality. We put in the coin of obedience. Drop, down drops the good life. Now, again, there are rules in the Bible, as I said. But what we're going to discover in this sermon series is that these rules of the Lord, this good law of the Lord, only finds its place within the story of God. See, the Bible is, first of all, the true story of the world, how God rescues his people and his creation through Jesus. Jesus comes into our story. And the Bible tells the story of the obedience of Jesus actually on our behalf. And that changes everything. We do not obey God in order to be rescued. We read and we find ourselves in the story of God's rescue. And that changes everything. It changes our approach to obedience altogether. We're going to get into that more and more and more as we walk along this journey. And this is the final way that sometimes I'm tempted to approach the Bible. And that is as a spell book. It's an ancient book of weird and obscure things that only really like qualified people like a priest or a pastor understand. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open the Bible up from time to time to, to sections and I'm going to sort of uh, use it like a lucky charm. To keep the bad away or to level up in life. And that's sometimes how we're tempted to use the Bible. But here's the thing. All of these models fall short. Which is why we are going to approach the Bible as God's true story of the world. God's drama. And one of which two things are true. And this is what we're going to explore briefly for the rest of our time. Number one, this. Jesus is the hero of this story. Number two, we have a part to play. This is actually how the Apostle Paul 
talks about the Bible. And we get a glimpse of this in Romans 15, which I just read out loud, where he writes in verse 3, For Christ did not please himself, but, you know, so he's saying to a church of people who are, who are bickering and fighting, he's saying Christ didn't please himself, he wasn't self-absorbed, but as it is written, and then he quotes a psalm, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And then he says this amazing little verse, he says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. So these two verses for me are a kind of mini theology of the Bible. And I want you to notice two things that Paul assumes about here. The first, again, is that Jesus is the hero. He is the hero. Paul, again, he quotes Old Testament Psalm 69. This psalm was well known. This psalm was well loved, memorized by God's people of old and Israel and Paul references it, and then did you notice he just straight up says, this is about Jesus. Paul's actually on good, hand, uh, you know, on good grounds doing this because Jesus himself does this on the Emmaus Road. In Luke 24, verse 7, Luke tells us that two folks are walking down the road, confused, even sad about the crucifixion of Jesus. They had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And then the risen Jesus, you remember this, walked near them in their confusion and in their sadness. And Luke tells us, Jesus says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Himself. See, Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the hero. And if we read the Bible without that key, it stays unlocked to us. So years and years ago, my wife and I went to see the band Over the Rhine. And we went to see them perform in Cincinnati. Uh, but there were, and we, which is an appropriate place to see Over the Rhine, by the way, in Cincinnati. Um, uh, we were there to see the husband-wife duo of Karen and Linford. Uh, but for this tour, they apparently hired a Nashville musician to come alongside, a guitarist actually, uh, to tour with them. And this guy was amazing. This guy was take the center of stage amazing. In fact, that's exactly what he did. And that's actually what ruined the show. Because <laughs> he was taking stage center literally and figuratively. And it ruined the show. Nobody was there to see him. Even though he was amazing. Even though to this day I sort of followed his career. Why? He was simply not the point. But when the lights went on, he couldn't help himself. Wasn't that you and I, friends? We read the Bible, the lights come on, and we just step into the center stage. We think, I'm not only the hero of my unique story, but I'm also the hero of the giant story. Or I'm the hero of my marriage. Or I'm the hero of my church. Or I'm the hero of my job. Or I'm the hero of my, of my degree. Or I'm the hero of my friendship network. I can fix it. I can solve it. I am the point. I am the point. I am the point. And we can read this drama. And we can be reminded that no, 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 no. Jesus is the hero of the story. And that includes your own. Jesus is the point. He saves us. He rescues us. He turns our hearts soft so that we love and worship God instead of ourselves. And this is the best thing for us. Do you guys believe that when we take center stage, we languish? But if we allow Jesus to be center, we flourish. Jesus is the hero. But that doesn't mean we don't have a crucial part to play. 
This is the amazing thing about God's story. It sort of humbles us, like we just talked about. Jesus is the hero. God's glory is the goal. But the same story raises us up and gives us unbelievable dignity. The same story actually says God calls us. He could finish his redemption story like that. He could just finish it like that with a snap of his fingers. But instead, he draws us into a story and he gives us a role, a crucial role to play in his rescue mission. We are, as my Old Testament professor used to say, God's vehicle, God's chosen vehicle for his rescue mission. And when I hear the word vehicle, I think of my 2002 Honda Civic. You passed it when you walked in to church this morning. This is not a glamorous car. But it takes my kids to soccer. It took me here to church. This is not a glamorous car. But it takes me and keeps me on mission. But isn't that you and me? We're cracked vessels. We're rusted Honda Civics. Uh, even though it leaks oil and sort of shudders on the highway. Ask my family. It shudders on the highway. I don't know what that's about. Uh, but you may be getting a text from me someday. Uh, <laughs> Even though it does all those things, God delights to use our vehicle, our story, our story, broken as it is, for his mission. There's nothing more dignifying than that. We see this in our verse this morning in three ways. A story of God is meant to speak to us. So Paul says in verse 4 that everything that was written in the past, and that's the Old Testament, was written for us. For our instruction. Now that word instruction. We'll get into. But notice first that it was written for whom? For us. So something very ancient like the Old Testament story of God. Is according to the apostle written for us. In other words this is our story. It's our script. But next the story of God is meant to shape us. So when you see that the scriptures were written for what? Our instruction When you see this word, you shouldn't think college lecture. I think the image you should actually think of when you see that word instruction is music lessons. Or yes, even acting lessons. This is apprenticeship in a art. This is not just accumulation of facts. This is written to shape us. Apprenticeship in a way, the way of Jesus. And we are apprenticed by God and we are apprenticed by his word to play our role. And then finally, notice in this text... How the story of God is meant to send us. What does Paul say? For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Why? So that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Friends, endurance and hope are story words. Endurance and hope are story words. We say this often at Hope. It's the name of our church. Hope is not wishful thinking. That's how a lot of us use the word hope, isn't it? Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is living in light of and in expectation of a story that is going to end well. That is hope. And this requires endurance. Amen? To live in hope, that is to say, okay, I know what everything around me is saying, and none of it is saying things are going well. But hope, the hope that God gives us says, but I know God's story, and I know it ends well. Therefore, I endure. 
Endurance, this word from the Greek means to bear or to remain under. Hupomone. Hupo means under. Mone means remain. Hupomone. So when I hear the word endurance, I actually think of barbell squats. <laughs> because you're literally under a lot of weight, enduring. Enduring. And you ask yourself in the life of a, of a Jesus follower, why am I carrying this burden? Why is this on my shoulders? Why hold this weight? And what you do is you simply drop it off. Or if you're doing a front squat, you back away. And you're like, I give up. Unless God gives you endurance. How can he give you endurance unless he gives you hope? That is a firm expectation that God will somehow make things right. That's a story word. We're living in a story where God indeed will make all things okay. Paul is saying that only the story of God can do this. How? Well, do you see that word encouragement? And do you see how Paul says the scriptures themselves give us encouragement? I'd like you to think of that as the story of God actually comes alongside you. That word encouragement means parakaleo or to come alongside. Calling you by its side and saying you can keep going on. I wonder if you know the story of Derek Redman. He falls tragically at the Olympics and then his father just rushes out of the stands. Have you seen the video of this? I just encourage you to do that. And like bring like a bunch of toilet paper to wipe the tears away from your face because it's amazing. I guess tissues would work too. (laughs) What's he doing? He's saying finish. Finish. Keep going. He's saying endure. He's saying, you can keep running because the story ends well. See, the reason scripture can do this is because scripture is not a dead book. But God's own word. The scriptures give us endurance and encouragement and hope because if you look at verse 5, Paul says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you. May the God who gives these things and God, see, God is a God of encouragement. God is a God of endurance and even a God of hope. If you look down at verse 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. See, the scriptures give us endurance, encouragement and hope. Why? Because the scriptures are God's word. God uses his story to keep us in the game. And when we invest ourselves in the story and when we live in the story, we will realize that Jesus is God in flesh. He is, in fact, the word walking. He played his part. He played his role in this drama perfectly. And he did it in order to rescue us. He did it in order to call us. He did it in order to encourage us. And he did it in order to give us hope so that we can continue on. So let me just ask you two questions as we close our time. And the first is this. What story are you living in? Dr. Goheen and Bartholomew make the point that humans are story-shaped. And so I don't want you to get the idea that there are just people walking around and then there are Christians who are in a story of God. No, no. Everybody is being shaped by a story. And it's just a a real good question 
that we're going to get into in the weeks to come, actually. We're going to explore other stories that are popular right now, other stories that are powerful right now that we are all living in. Even us as Jesus followers are living in. And sometimes these alternative stories shape us more than the very word of encouragement from God. And so just ask yourself, what story am I living in? Am I living in the story that God is in control of and that Jesus is the hero of and that ends well? And therefore, I can in hope talk about the news of Jesus to others. Or are you living in a different story? Think on that. Chew on that this week. And the second question I would ask is this. Are you immersed? Are you immersed? When was the last time you were immersed in a book? Maybe you're in one right now. I mean, I'm going to be honest, probably the last time for me was the Harry Potter series. And when I'm reading it, everybody is a character in Harry Potter. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like your professors are various professors at Hogwarts. You're like, oh, that's Snape. Uh, yeah, but he's McGonagall for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely McGonagall. Yeah. And you just live in light of the story. You're so immersed in the story that every reference point in your life starts to have new meaning. That is, that is a good drama. That is a good story. And friends, that is the scriptures for us. Are you immersed? Every morning, lately, I've been making tea. And I'm steeping this tea in hot water. And that is the image I want us to have in this sermon series. We're going to be steeping ourselves in the story of scripture. So that as we live, as we go about our life, we're not just like Bible nerds. But we're actually living the story well. Are you immersed? We want to be a church that extends a surprising welcome to Jesus to everyone we encounter. That's our part to play. That's our part to play. And when you do this, you do get to know the hero. It's Jesus. So let's pray in his name now, Lord, that you would encourage us as you promised. That you would even give us endurance as you promised. And yes, even hope. There are a lot of things right now on our plate. There are a lot of uncertainties that we are wrestling with right now in our life. But Lord, would you give us that hope, that certainty that you will indeed make all things right in Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org. 